Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello, and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are honoured to be joined by the brilliant Suzanne Vega. Um, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you, and uh, whereabouts in the world are you joining us from? Well, I am good. I'm happy to report. Um, I had COVID about a week and a half ago, but I am feeling very good. So, um, so I'm happy to say that. And I am currently in Amsterdam. Excellent. Oh, well, I hope you didn't suffer too badly with the uh, COVID and, and glad to hear that you're, you're feeling okay now. Yeah. Yeah. It was about two days of symptoms and, uh, you know, it was bad enough, but then, uh, suddenly on the third day, I, it started to lift and I thought, oh, great. So we're, yeah. we're back on our feet. Excellent. Well, congratulations uh, on your uh, headline performance at Glastonbury on the acoustic stage a couple of weekends ago. Um, how was that for you? How was it to uh, to be back at Glastonbury performing again? <laughs> it was great. It was really great. Um, I always enjoy performing at Glastonbury. And this time was super special because my daughter was with me. Um, her father, Mitchell Froome, is playing with Crowded House. So he was playing with them so she got to spend the whole week with with both of us which almost never happens so it it was great and everything was going really wonderfully and then we kind of hit the wall but before that it was great yeah. oh <laughs> fantastic i mean you uh you know you famously became the first woman to headline glastonbury back in 1989 um i was oh. wondering for for any of our listeners who may not be aware, I was wondering if you could talk us a little bit through the circumstances that were kind of in and around that that appearance at Glastonbury, because you uh, you also famously uh, wore a bulletproof vest uh, during that show. Um, I'd rather let you just take that story, if that's okay, than me try and introduce it myself. Yeah, okay. Mm. Um, yeah, it started the morning of the show. Uh, I... I um, it, it turned out that uh, my my poor bass player, who had been stalked by a woman for quite some time, uh, had received a death threat that morning. And um, I didn't really know that I was also included in that death threat until later on in the day. Um, so my manager was with us and he had gotten Scott Yard in on the, on the whole thing. We took it very seriously. And... Uh, right before I was supposed to go on stage about an hour before the police told me not to, they said that they are, uh, they had found the woman, but they hadn't found her partner and that their, uh, professional recommendation was that I not do the show. And I said, what are you talking about? Of course I have to do the show. I'm headlining, you know, I'm the headliner of the evening. I, I, I think it probably occurred to me that I was the first female to headline, but, um, mostly I just thought, no, this, I have to do this. Um, so they said, well, if, then in that case, you have to wear a bulletproof vest. So I took one of the vests that belonged to one of the Scotland, Scotland Yard um, men, and which was, of course, enormous on me. And they had to gaffers tape me into it. Um, the whole thing. And then I went on and did the show, uh, which felt like it was all happening in slow motion. Um, and in the right at the end of the show, my keyboard player ran over to me and said, sing Luca and get off stage. And I thought, oh, my God, what's happened? Has something happened? And he said, I'll, I'll tell you later. So we sang Luca and I got off stage and I said, what? What's the deal? No one had mentioned to me that there was a, a, um, a, a curfew be, because it's a cow farm. 
Glastonbury is a cow farm and it upsets the cows if you play past 1230 and then they don't give milk in the morning. So this is what had happened. Um, you know, I was being reminded of the curfew. And so that was how the evening ended. Wow. I mean, that's like, with a whole bunch of mud and getting stuck in the traffic to, it took five hours to get off the site. Wow. I mean, that's quite, quite an eventful way to, uh, to headline your first Glastonbury, right? Um, there are some things I will never forget, and that's one of them. Yeah. Um, the helicopters flying overhead and the lights from time to time would be trained on the audience. Um, yeah. So every time the lights went on to the audience, I, I was scanning uh, the whole crowd to see, you know, what was going on. I mean, when you reflect back on that performance, do you, do you remember how you felt at the time? Did you feel kind of, were you able to just perform? Or were you constantly kind of feeling a little bit nervous and thinking maybe this is the wrong thing to be doing? Like, I'm just going to end the set early and get off stage. You know, how did you, what was your going through your mind during the performance? Well, once I'd committed to it, I just stuck with it. And I did not allow myself to think of any other thing except for just playing each song. I mean, each song seemed to take 20 minutes long uh, because time became very elastic uh, and of course, spatially, it was weird for me because I was used to being able to see Mikey, my bass player, um, and he was playing off the stage and he was flanked by two guards. So we had his amp on stage, but not him. So I could hear him, but I couldn't see him. Um, so that made everything kind of weird. Uh, um, but no, we stuck to the show. I, I think there's only one photograph that I can that I know of of that night uh, that someone from the audience took. Uh, and um, you can see that I'm in a, a jeans jacket, uh, much, much bigger than the one I'm wearing right now. I mean, it's, it's absolutely enormous. Um, but I, so I remember just feeling myself going through each song. Uh, probably didn't talk very much, which I didn't at festivals anyway. Yeah. You know, probably said, how are you doing? Maybe yeah. <laughs> if it had occurred to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, you know, then I, I got that weird ending, you know, sing Luca and get off stage. So, uh, you know, I did that. Um, and then the rest, uh, has gone down in history. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. And did, did that, did that follow you to any other gigs or did it kind of, did that threat seem to stop there or did you find it yourself wearing there. bulletproof vests at any subsequent shows as well? No, no. It, for me, it ended there. I, yeah. that never happened again. I don't know what happened to the girl. I don't know what happened to her uh her partner i never they never surfaced again and i was perfectly happy about that uh mikey however my bass player um had security for quite some time uh when we went on tour so uh you know so that was kind of that lingered for about a year or so but uh i mean that was a long time ago now it was uh it was 1989 yeah so (laughs) Yeah, incredible story. Um, I mean, uh, coming back to uh, this year's uh, Glastonbury and the festival season in general, you're going to be playing at the Cambridge Folk Festival uh, later this month as well. Uh, How how excited are you to be um, to be getting over to that festival and performing there again? Oh, it should be really nice. Um, I I like the folk festivals. I mean, I started in the folk scene in New in New York. Um, and then eventually went on to play the other folk festivals, the Newport Folk Festival, the Philadelphia Folk Festival. Um, so I, I'm very familiar with it, and I'll try not. I'll try not to be too uh, abrasive. You know, I, I'm playing with a guitar player named Jerry Leonard, 
and he was David Bowie's musical director. So we don't always stay within the bounds of folk. You know, we, we, we play, I play acoustic guitar and that's the only instrument I play, but sometimes we venture into other um, kinds of music. Um, but, you know, we'll try not to be antagonistic and we'll try and do all the folky stuff that everybody likes. And I think it should go well. Yeah, I mean, I was I was going to ask about what kind of set list you'd be looking to play because obviously it's been a couple of years since you released um, New York Songs and Stories. Um, and I was wondering if you, you know, even though that was a live album, whether touring after the release of that is almost like touring a studio record where you want to kind of almost perform that set because you've kind of chosen that quite meticulously. They were songs that were chosen for a particular setting and a particular reason. And then obviously with COVID and everything else uh, kind of preventing touring, I was wondering if you almost were like, I want to kind of take that set out and run it as if I was promoting a a studio record, if that makes any sense. Sure, it does. Uh, um, But I I, I have to say I've sort of moved beyond that because we, we recorded the album in the spring of 2019 um, it was supposed to have come out in the spring of 2020. A lot of the dates we're doing now are from that era. You know, they were booked two and a half years ago and then postponed and postponed. The date in Berlin was postponed six times or something crazy like that. Um, so it sort of morphed into something else. I mean, in the beginning, I was sort of wearing the dress from the album cover and mm. and we were doing a lot of songs uh, it's a very jazzy album you know it's it's a very it's almost like a bit of a chanteuse kind of album um so i was having fun playing with that but uh, uh to do to keep doing that for two and a half years just seems like we would be frozen in time before covid so instead we're doing a few songs from the from that album but we're kind of moving on and in fact i've i've written one new song that i'm hoping to to try out somewhere um at some point because i'm just feeling like it's time to start thinking about new material again. Yeah. So, I mean, what have you been kind of working on of late? Is there anything you can talk to us about, you know, regarding, you know, whether it's new music, any other projects you may have been working on, what's been kind of keeping you occupied over the, over the past few months or so? Well, gosh, well, a lot of things. Um, well, yeah, I've been working on new material, taking lots of notes, writing a lot about just the social situation in America, which is, seems unbelievable mm. to me. Um, I've been also, I was very happy that I had a uh, premiere for a film that I made. Uh, This was a film of the play that I'd written about the author Carson McCullers. I'd written a one-woman show with music by Duncan Sheik. And um, in the fall of 2019, we recorded it. We did it very quickly. It was probably 10 days, if, if that very cheap. And so that had its premiere just a couple of months ago at South by Southwest. I, it was a thrill to see it on the big screen, I must say. Yeah, yeah. And um, I've been really, really happy about that. So now we're trying to push it forward and get some kind of traction to get a um, a release date and a distribution deal for it. Um, so I've spent quite a bit of time doing that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was just thrilled with with the reception that it had for the most part, and and also just seeing it on the big screen. I was um, very happy. Amazing. I mean, do you have a particular preference with the type of art that you're creating? You know, whether it's writing new music, whether it's writing uh, and you know working on film projects, whether it's stuff for the stage. Is there a particular kind of area where you 
really feel like I would I'd kind of like to just sort of focus on this kind of for the for the foreseeable or do you quite like being able to move between the various different art forms? I love being able to go between the various art forms. Um, I used to be a dancer. I was a dancer for, for 10 years or nine years. Um, I also worked in, in clay, worked in clay and sculpted. Um, so uh, I'm fascinated by all forms of art. It's, it's something actually that I felt very difficult as a child, how to express emotions. Mm. And so I've sort of anything that can help me do that. Um, I sort of try to go after it. Uh, but in my heart and soul, I feel that that songwriting is really what I'm best at. Um, and so uh, that's why I kind of feel like it's time to return yeah. to form. Yeah, I mean, you know, with with songwriting, I was wondering if you're, at least consciously, if, you're, if your songwriting kind of approach has changed at all down the years. Do, or do you, have, do you have like a kind of tried and tested way of writing or it's just something that you you know, you pick up a guitar or whatever and it just happens? Or have, have you kind of found new ways of of trying to write and be creative musically? Has that changed much over the years or does it kind of largely stay the same? It has changed um, a lot. Uh, in the beginning, I was thrilled if I wrote anything that was halfway good. Um, and I did have a little um, sort of formula that I would follow, which was that on a Saturday night, if all my friends were out, I would stay home and start to write a song I'd get it to where I liked it, but maybe there would be one little piece missing. I would sleep on it and finish it on a Sunday morning. And then I'd be thrilled with it for the rest of the week. And that worked consistently for me. Um, These days I can't do it that way. Um, Or I I can once in a while, but I've done it all different kinds of ways. Mm. I've done it using the guitar. I've done it music first. I've done it lyrics first. I've done, done it starting from a, from a, a title or sometimes just an image in my mind, um, a name, you know, uh, it, it changes every single time. And also depending on my mood and what I feel the show needs at any given moment. Yeah. When, when, how did you, did you find that it came really naturally to you writing, writing songs and, and particularly lyrically, because I think, you know, you're, your songs have always dealt with telling stories and kind of different perspectives on, on situations. They're not kind of simple, right? Here's just any lines that rhyme kind of, you know, songwriting is that they're, they're more complex than that. Um, and I was wondering if that was something that you really had to kind of labor at or whether that was something that just was like a natural thing to you as a, as a storyteller from a, from a, a young age. Well, here's the thing. I think most people looking at me thought it was a natural gift, but I personally know how much effort it took. Uh, My first song took me three years to write. And of course, I was 11 when I started. So the first song I finished that I was happy with, I was 14 when I wrote it. Mm. Um, So to me, it seemed endlessly long and tediously uh, boring. Um, But my parents seemed to think that this was, you know, quite, quite interesting and then I wrote another song within a few weeks of that one, and I thought that one was really good. So it's sort of, you know, it's like what they say, you have this long, long period of working and working and working, and then it happens overnight. Um, it really is exactly like that. It's a lot of labor, and then from time to time it catches fire, and it just goes, and your instincts take over, and then you, you end up with something that you're really proud of. Yeah. 
I mean, you spoke a, a moment ago about the, the political situation in the US um, yeah. and, you know, possibly addressing that through through your work. And is that, is that whole situation something you, you would consider or contemplate writing a record about, not just a song, but kind of almost, because there's so much that, can, you know, there, there's so much going on all over the world, you know, with global politics, but in the US at the moment, it's been particularly um, yeah. scary. Um, yeah. Is that something you would consider kind of a, approaching almost with the view of it being like a, like a kind of concept album or a, a kind of fully themed album that is fully addressing the, the, the times and, and the challenges that everybody is facing at the moment? Well, I'd have to start with at least one or two songs. You know, yeah. you, it's one thing to have like a theme in your mind, but it, unless you actually sit down and write the individual songs, it's mm. just not going to get. So, um, yeah, I'd like to. I mean, when I did uh, Beauty and Crime, that was sort of a response to 9-11. Mm. Uh, and that took six years to finish. Uh, there were all these little stories that sort of were in the shadow of 9-11. <clears throat> so maybe something will happen like that, but to some degree, I don't. There's an at some point I let go of the control of it. You know, I don't know which songs are going to come through. Uh, I've definitely written some songs that were inspired by COVID and the atmosphere during COVID, um, and then so it maybe it'll all come together. You know, ask me again in a year, and I can tell you more. Yeah, and then I know we spoke about uh, festival season, but I know you have some dates coming up. Uh, early next year um can you tell us a a little a little bit about that as in you know where you'll be going and and if you're hoping to have any more uh new material perhaps to be kind of touring off the back of it oh gosh yes i hope so Mm. um even to amuse myself you know let alone anybody else um yeah we have 14 dates in the uk which is is thrilling and um it's nice to have it so far in advance so that we, we can really prepare for it and, and really enjoy it. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping that there'll be new songs uh, to perform. It's been a little frustrating, obviously, having to, to be so grounded in the uh, New York songs and stories. Um, you know, the farther we get away from the fall, uh, from the spring of 2019, the, the more I feel like we're all hungry for something new. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm hoping for. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real, a real pleasure chatting to you. Um, and I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, to chat with us. So thank you very much and, and all the best with, uh, with the current tour and the dates in the new year. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much. Cheers. Headliner radio supporting the creative community. 